Hey everyone, and welcome to the DevSide Stories podcast, the podcast where we talk entrepreneurial software development. I'm your host, Adrian, and in this first episode, we're going to talk about big software rewrites. Mainly, we're going to talk about why big software rewrites fail. This is based off of an article I published this week, which is called Five Reasons Big Software Rewrites Fail. Um, and I'm going to go through the main ideas of that article, or better yet, I'll actually read that article on the podcast and we'll see how it goes. So this article is part of a larger series where I plan on laying out the truth behind technology migration, decoupling projects, and so on. Having taken part in a couple of big rewrite and decoupling and scalability projects for the past three years, I decided to share what I think it's the truth why such projects fail. And I hope this article and the other five I have in the pipeline will help people spot bad trends and do course correction early on. So without further ado, here are five reasons your big software rewrite would fail. First one, hiring after the house caught fire. Increasing capacity halfway through the project hoping to get an immediate productivity boost is just as crazy as thinking that purchasing a fire insurance while the house is burning will help you save the furniture already destroyed by the fire. Remember that for every new member you add to a team, an existing member's productivity is reduced by half for as long as the onboarding period takes. There's also the forming, storming, norming, performing cycle that the team goes through every time a new addition to the team is made. Next up, not involving the team. When only a small group, and this is read, the architects, decides what tech stack to use, your project is headed for trouble. This is one of the reasons management ends up complaining that the team lacks commitment. Even the best tech stack, even if you have the best tech stack, because envy and desire for justice are so deeply ingrained in us, the team will reject it like the body refuses an incompatible organ after a transplant. And it can only get worse. If the tech stack is decided upon by the business, based on buzzwords and rumors they heard while dining with their other business friends who are better off, they should say hello to it's not my job and I told you it won't work and X is way better and it's John's fault. My advice, if it's a team effort, then it should be a team decision, period. Next up, lack of planning. Failing to plan is planning to fail, said someone wiser than me. I see this behavior usually with software developers who believe writing code is more of an art than a craft. But this is not limited to developers. In 2018, there are still businesses who believe that if they have an idea and they have developers, they can just tell those developers what to do and they will do it. You don't understand. A software developer is not like a blacksmith. Blacksmiths too face uncertainty in terms of the quality of the material they work with, the quality of the coal, or the quality of their tool. But the level of uncertainty in software development is much higher than in any other production-oriented jobs. The software developer first has to figure out what he or she is implementing, then figure out a solution, and then implement it. And they might have to go through this process multiple times with a single piece of work. Here's a great analogy I found a while back on Quora that perfectly depicts the software development process. It's called how to make a cup of tea. It was actually a question from someone who wanted to explain to a non-technical person how hard it is to be a software developer. 
Next one, not sticking to decision or the failure to focus. Follow one course until successful. I think this is something that Robert Kiyosaki said. I remember reading about this in a book. I can't remember the title. It was about Henry Ford's decision-making principles. And the gist is that decision-making should not be delayed, but once decisions are made, people should be slow in changing their minds about those. Constantly changing your mind about decisions will lead a team to build half of features and end up throwing away work. Make up your mind. Build half a product, not a half-assed product. This is a quote from Jason Fried in his book, Rework. Next reason, sticking too long to poor decisions. This is mostly a manifestation of the sunk cost fallacy. It's the inability to let go of poor decisions just because we already invested a lot of fill-in-the-blanks or we've always done it this way. This also highlights an even more dangerous behavior related to the fear of taking responsibility for those poor decisions and the insistence to continue on the wrong path. This can and will lead your team into a death march. Time for some cliche talk. Remember, no matter how far you walked on the wrong road, turn back. Or to put it differently, even if you are on the right path, if you just stand there, eventually you'll get run over. Next one lack of capacity planning. Because there is no capacity planning, critical people end up being taken off their tasks to do some other unplanned and unforeseen and most importantly unrelated work. If the organization already has the headcount, please be realistic about the number of people that are supposed to work on the project. If the plan is to migrate a full-blown production application, magic numbers don't work. Just by picking a number, 3, 4 or 7 won't get you closer to your goal at least not while respecting the roadmap milestones. Believe me, I know a lot about magic numbers. I studied philology in high school. Here's a link to a paper on magic numbers in fairy tales, folklore, and mythology I found on the web but never read. Next one, the avoidance mentality. You avoid looking towards the obvious even when it's trying to stare you back in the face. It's walking around, eyes shut, acting like everything is fine, even when there are only two weeks until the next deadline and the project is two months worth of work behind schedule. Take the bull by the horns early on. Software development should not feel like the Pamplona bull run. Stop running from the bull because it will ultimately catch up to you and pierce your behind. Better yet, if you're scared of this and you can't get over some of the fears associated with such a project, have your developers point out the flaws. We developers are pretty good at complaining at even the slightest sign of change. If you foster a culture of sharing, openness and courage where people can speak up no matter how sensitive the problem is or who is the person causing the problem, then you'll have your developers screaming at the top of their lungs to tell you that the sky is falling. Next one, plans that stretch too far out. Like planning one year worth of work when there are only two months worth of roadmap clarity. This is something that's specific to these big rewrite projects and it's just some fantasy world business insists we should live in the year-long roadmap the team should stick to and then they want us to be agile in my opinion a quarter is the longest stretch of time to be planned for trying to dump a whole year of worth of work in a project management tool and planning software like your plan the construction of a house is just as crazy as trying to use a shovel manufacturing process to build aircrafts. The only similarity between building a house and building software is in terminology, not in how the actual concepts are applied. In construction, you don't iterate over the architecture. If you do, you build a new house. And to build a new house, you have to tear the old one down. There's no reuse, at least not at the foundation level. Well, if 
the software is architected well enough, you're able to change the architecture without rebuilding the whole project. So stop building monolithic, tangled, poorly architected software just because you need to deliver and you will refactor after you get investments. This will eat you up with your shoes on. I mean it. I'm not saying monoliths are bad. You can build a modular monolith that will work way better in the short term than any microservices based fluff you might find out there. Think before you build and stop writing everything in Rails for heaven's sake. There are other less heavy frameworks out there. Unless you use Rails to serve your data through REST, I think it's too old fashioned. I, it still insists on using jQuery and archaic front-end techniques and for the regular developer, tuning a Rails app is a pain. I understand the benefits of sensible defaults and convention over configuration. That's something that I admire about Rails. But please decouple your front-end. Stop building jQuery apps. Measuring the wrong things. Now, I'm not going to talk about specific measurements because this has to be decided by yourself. You should objectively evaluate your current situation and figure out what you want to measure, whether it's velocity or time to market. If you ask me, I choose the latter. But let me give you a personal example of wrong measurements. Let's assume my goal is to increase my email subscribers list, which it is, so subscribe please. It would be wrong for me to focus on the website visitor count. If I start watching that like a lunatic, month after month, I could either consider that I'm pretty popular and live like I already have more email subscribers, and this is where most fantasy world story point adoring people live like, until reality knocks me down. Or I could look at the visitors count, look at the subscribers list, notice that there's no improvement and take action. Next heading. The process is too rigid, or you think it is. From my experience, this happens only because people tend to get too religious about the process when their only focus should be delivery. Many teams use Scrum and complain that it is too rigid. In my opinion, it is, yes, but I am biased, so don't take that into account. Objectively speaking, any agile-ish process is capable of adaptation and has a lot of flexibility built in. It is only our nature to apply everything by the book, especially when we're not the ones impacted by the process that makes them seem rigid. And last but not least, the biggest reason of all, hiring me. You hire me to put out the fire and do software development instead of allowing me to help you with your technical strategy. That's a big mistake. Although I love to do implementation work and I somehow end up solving the hardest problems the client is facing, I'm not the most talented software developer. I know people who can put me to shame just by breathing in the same room. But one of my biggest assets is that I'm able to zoom out quickly and spot trends and opportunities you can ride to success. And I never lose sight of the big picture. Now, more than ever, you need to do big picture thinking on the technical side as well. It's not enough to have a great product vision and good software developers. You need a technical vision that's just as quick to adapt to the world and the industry as your product vision is. P.S. I know that there are more than five reasons rewrites fail. This post embodies the core nature of software development. You set up to solve one problem and you find three other problems you need to solve along the way. Or as Vasco Duarte puts it in his book, No Estimates, Building software is like when you try to unclog the pipes in your bathroom and end up having to build three more houses just to get the toilet working again. How's that for a change? Okay, this is the end of the article. Did you enjoy it? If you did, 
please share it with your peers, managers, bosses, or whoever you think will get the same value out of it. And as I said, one of my goals is to increase my newsletter subscription list. So subscribe to the newsletter to be notified when new articles or new podcast episodes are available. See you soon. Bye. Mm-hmm.